Uh, good evening, everyone, and uh, thank you for the welcome. Um, my wife and I, on our way here, we're just praising the Lord for this. Um, something that would have been impossible six years ago. Not because you wouldn't have welcomed me. Uh, I was not in a good place as far as like the body of Christ. Um, just real simply, I think we had a, about a 10-year conflict. And I say conflict was, I'm going to own my part of it. Um, I think I can say this. I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> um, I was a grade A USDA certified a-hole. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. I was. I was in a bad place, uh, isolated, angry, unfruitful. Um, but the Lord used some things in, in uh, my life and my wife's life to uh, turn it around, and I praised the Lord. And I didn't know about this till later. Um, a number of you were praying for us, and it's amazing what the Lord can do. So I, I, uh, I say that why, why Philemon and Philemon? I don't know what you want to call him. I call him Philemon from Jamaica because it's Philemon. Uh, but Philemon was, when I was at that point, um, it was what I read in that day, and the Lord used it tremendously in my life. It's a small little book, right? A daily reading, and you're like, good, I got through that quick. I can't tell you what the Lord did to use that in my life. This was 2016, September 2016, when the tide turned, and the Lord started working on my heart. And um, I really, I counted a joy to be here and to share with you just a few things that I gleaned from it from a personal testimony standpoint um, that helped uh, me restore relationships that have been missing for many years. And I paid for it. Uh, God uses the body of Christ and all over the world. And it's great to hear our brother from Nepal. The body of Christ is huge, but I was neglecting a body that was right here, family. And um, I did it to my own demise, and, and I really learned a lot of lessons. So um, before we go to Philemon, if you want to go to Philemon, you can. I want to start out with a verse from Ephesians chapter 4 up on the screen in, in chapter 4 verse 1 through 3. Um, Paul says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. Now he's going to use this again in Philemon. It's interesting he talks about that. He wrote a number of, of letters from prison, but he calls himself the prisoner of the Lord not because he was just in prison, because he was captive of the Lord and his mission and his vocation. It was everything to him. But he says that, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. And we're going to talk about this a little bit. What is your vocation? And you say, I'm an engineer. I'm a chicken merchant. I'm, I'm a pastor. Whatever you do, that's not, as a Christian, your vocation. And he says, we should walk worthy of the vocation. And we're going to get into this. And this is going to be the, one of the keys. It's not what you do, but how you do it. And this, I'm going to tell you, these, these next words, I lacked greatly. Because I was all about truth. I, I mean, I literally got saved in a church that preached the truth. I learned the truth. I was ingrained in it. Shepherd school, discipleship one, two, whatever. Semi-on mission trips, teach other church discipleship. But I was lacking these things. Lowliness, with all lowliness. And meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. And you're going to see this a lot. And it's amazing because I, you know, real big into Pauline doctrine. That's very important. Um, but I did not, it was amazing. I'd read through 
Paul's epistles all the time, but for some reason I just, I don't know if I, I know I read these words, but my mind went right over them. Like I didn't apply to me. I didn't need to apply them to my life. Lowliness, long-suffering, forbearing one another. And forbearing one another is to spare or abstain. It means you could do something, but you don't, you do it for love. Like you have the authority, you have every right to do that, but you don't. And we're going to talk about that a lot in this book of Philemon. And it shows something that, um, a great lesson. Then it says something very key, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The Holy Spirit of God is constantly moving. We see that from Genesis 1, right? Constantly working, man. It's an engine. It never stops churning. You know what it's doing? It's trying to bring this lost people to God. And even in the body of Christ, what's it trying to do? Hold us together. That command is to you and I to endeavor to keep that unity. You know why? It ain't easy, is it? I'll say that from my own personal testimony, it's easy to get offended. It's easy to take things personal. It's easy to take something that seems like a slight and then the enemy goes in there and makes it bigger. And you, what you do is, what do you do? You retreat, you entrench, you build up fortresses. And then the other party does what? Well, what did you mean by that? And, it, and, and on the battle goes. And it will just take just a little bit of leaven to tear that thing down. And our command is to endeavor to keep this because you and I will be attacked in our relationships. I mean, think about just marriages alone, but just the body of Christ. It's under constant attack. And so what should you and I do? Endeavor to keep the unity. And it's in the how we do it, right? Because I think I got taught a lot about the what. Well, here's what you say. Here's what you preach. Here's how you preach. But it's in the how you do it that I was neglecting it. So I want to talk a little bit about the context of Philemon. It's probably important we get into this because um, we're Bible trained, right? And so what's one of the first applications? Yes. Well, let's talk about a history and then we can get into the doctrine and really the practical application. But the context of Philemon is uh, Paul, it's a, called a prison epistle, and like a number of his writings, he's in prison. And you know this because he talks about being a prisoner of Jesus, and he talks about later about um, who, Onesimus, who's one of the main characters, being begotten in his bonds. So, you know, what is not clear is the state of Onesimus. Now, there's, here's the thing. Paul's in prison, and a lot of people believe he was house arrest, so it was a little bit like he had a little bit of freedoms, but he was still in bonds. He wasn't his own man, but he may have had some liberties in Rome. Well, he meets Onesimus, who's one of the other characters in this small little letter. And Onesimus is a runaway slave, um, and he meets Paul in Rome. Now, it's unknown whether he met him in prison, like he was arrested as a runaway slave and met Paul in prison, and they were cellmates, and Paul did lead him to the Lord, or because Paul was free in house arrest, he just ran across him. But here's the thing, Onesimus is far away from where he came from. He's a runaway slave from the city of Colossae. You've probably heard of the book of Colossians, right? Um, well, there was a church in Colossae, and one of the leaders there was named Philemon. Okay, an elder, deacon, we don't know, but he was a leader, and you could tell from this, this letter. Onesimus ran away from his owner, who was Philemon. And right away you're like, what, slavery? How dare Philemon have... 
just keep in mind culture. One third of the Roman Empire were slaves. It was very common at that time. And so um, we'll talk about that here in a little bit, but he's ran away and he just didn't probably run away. It's likely that he ran away and took some stuff with him. Some of Philemon's stuff. Goods, money, we don't know. It's just in the context later you'll see that Onesimus just didn't book. He booked with a bag of Philemon's stuff. Okay? So there's a little bit more to it, uh, right? Because we're probably cheering him on. Yeah, run away from that slave owner. There's some um, crimes that have been committed against uh, Philemon. And so what Paul does, he leads Onesimus to the Lord. And then, this is where it gets kind of interesting. Paul's going to send Onesimus back to Philemon in Colossae. Now, we don't know, and again, it's, some people have speculated, well, Rome is sending him back because he's a runaway slave. He's in prison. We don't know that, but we do know that Paul is sending him back with a letter or two, right, to the Colossians, and then this little letter to Philemon. This is a unique thing. And think about, why is this in the Scripture? You ever thought about that? This is a personal letter, and the Lord has inspired it and preserved it for us today. Why? Do you realize this letter, very small little letter, is so unique? Paul's writing it to one individual, for the most part, about one specific issue. Do you know the other thing that's unique about this? It's the only letter where the gospel isn't mentioned, that Paul writes. Why is that? And I want you to think about that because, and I really, I think this is awesome, and this is what makes this letter so powerful, is that it is the letter where you practically apply the gospel in your relationships. And what do I mean by that? I know we know the gospel, how we, you know, Christ has died, he was buried, and he rose again, and we who believe that and confess the Lord are saved by that. But do you realize, and I'm sure you do, 1 Corinthians 15 talks about not only do you receive it, but you stand in it, you live it, you live the gospel. How do you live the gospel? Well, it's knowing that every day I die and I'm raised in the power of the resurrected Christ, right? That's how you and I live daily as Christians. And you live that practically in relationships. You do. If you're married, you know that. You ha I know it, it, I, by the way, congratulations to whoever's getting married soon. But you will learn to die to self. You will have to. Um, because you're going to think, this is mine, my toothbrush, and my, and then suddenly it's, no, this is ours. Wait, what? It, it, it's it's conflict, all right? Conflict. Now, that's just a marriage. Every day there's conflict between people. There's conflict in churches. There's conflict at work. Anytime you put two people in the same room, you're going to have conflict. How do you overcome that? The power of the gospel. Both parties, dying to self, living in the power of the resurrected Christ. And this is where you see this played out in this letter in masterful form. And I want to quickly get to uh, some of the context of this. We can go to the next verses, because I want us to really talk about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, um, the ministry that we have. It is a ministry, after you get saved, you become new, and then you're given something. You're given a ministry. And that ministry is reconciliation. That's taking two parties at odds and having an agreement. Now, we know what that is in the context of the lost world. We're trying to, in, very much in that context, in first, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, reconcile the lost world to the Creator. 
to God Almighty through the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want you to think about it even more specific than that. That ministry of reconciliation and word of reconciliation is every day with everyone you're in contact with. In this church, with any individuals, guaranteed, I mean, especially dudes, we're very competitive. I, I was uh, talking to Kenny before. Our first time Kenny and I met, we were joking about it, I'm gonna say it again. Kenny and I met on the basketball court, and how do you think that went? I'm a competitive dude, he's a competitive dude, conflict, all right? And so anytime that happens, how do we do that? Well, we have a mindset, and it's that we have this ministry of reconciliation. So I, I wanna talk about that in terms of Philemon, and I'm gonna go through just three points tonight, and then hopefully we'll end in some prayer points for us to pray about um, individually, ourselves, okay? Uh, you know, think of it like, what am I responsible for? So there's nine principles that are in Philemon. I'm just gonna cover three of them today, this, uh, this evening. Number one, confront conflict, okay? Now I see that in the context of Philemon uh, verses one and two. If you go there, it, it's basically as Paul does his normal greeting, but he's writing to one individual. And he also includes what's believed to be Aphia, his wife, and Archippus, his son. Okay, that's believed to be who these folks are in verse two. And then he says, and to the church in thy house, by the way, which I think is interesting. But his primary audience is Philemon. And why is he writing him? Well, the guy that delivered the letter to Philemon is his runaway slave who just also probably took off with some of his goods. So can you imagine that event? You know, did Philemon send the uh, letter in advance? Read this before you say anything or do anything. Because um, I want to tell you something. The conflict is already there because as a runaway slave in Rome, he was under the power and authority of Philemon. And Philemon could do whatever he wanted to him. If he wanted to mutilate him, maim him, or kill him, he would have that authority. That's a risk Paul is taking and sending Onesimus back. But he has this letter. And this letter is so full of grace in its approach. So it's important that we understand Paul could have done a couple things. Even if Paul followed the law in Deuteronomy 23, he might have just not sent him back at all. The law would say, don't send that runaway back to the master. He could have gone with that. Or he could have said, uh, you know, stay with me, minister with me. But no, he knew that this is a unresolved issue in the body of Christ. Because now Onesimus, who was not saved, is saved and there's a brother, and there's an issue in the body of Christ. And that cannot go and continue to be unresolved. Can we say amen to that? Because I don't think we think that sometimes. We think there's a problem in the body, no big deal, let's move on. A, a problem in the body is a problem we all have. One suffers, we all suffer. And so we have to have that perspective. Paul wants to confront conflict. He deals with it directly, not indirectly. I mean, there's many options that you could have with a problem conflict. Think about how you and I handle conflict. I know in my personal testimony with Sam, what did I do? I retreated. And then I built up a wall, right? And then I, we, what happened? Well, nothing happens when you do that, right? So there's a couple options that typically, I don't know what you do, but I, what I would do would be I'd retreat. I don't like conflict, so I avoid it. Paul confronts it. He gets right in the middle of it. Now, he's not a brawler. Because people can be brawlers. Now, you might be likes to fight guy. And what I mean by that is you like to engage. Oh, you like to fight. 
Oh, you like to battle? I love this. You don't want to be that guy either. And you don't want to be that, do nothing, I'm out of here. We have, I mean, there's some people, something bad happens, and then they're like Homer Simpson into the hedge, okay? You don't want to do that either. You don't want to sweep it under the rug. Don't want to ignore it. It's not someone else's problem. If you know about it and you're in the body of Christ, there's an opportunity there, okay? So here's some things, um, some, uh, some lessons from this first thing that Paul uh, does. He's, number one, don't run from conflict or run to it. Okay, this isn't a matter of um, not, my, not my circus, not my monkey, I don't have to worry about it. No, no, if it's something that's in front of you, you have the Holy Spirit, you have the Word of God, and you have a ministry of reconciliation. You do what you can to address it, but you don't go running into it. Because that's the other problem, especially I do, and I've done it as a husband too many times. Mr. Fix-It, I'll fix it, I'm here to save the day. What do you, oh, my wife's got a problem, what can I do? How can I fix this? and I just jump in there and I don't even think what I'm doing. Because I'm a fixer, right? Dudes are fixers. And we go in there, I'm gonna fix it. Well, no, 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 no. Confront it, but man, you better step back. Don't run to it. Approach prayerfully first. Because believe me, what Paul is gonna do here as he gets into this, you're gonna see, he has prayed over this a long time. Okay, and he continues to pray for this. And then you deal with directly. What I mean by that is some of the other options people do is, well, I'm not going to address the person that offended me or with the conflict. I'm going to go around and tell some other person. Is that good? How does that end? Usually badly. Rumors, whispers, and then they take that tail and they've twisted it. They've added a little spice to it. And they've shook it up like a, made a funnel cake out of it. You don't know what you got after it. So you, don't, you want to deal with directly. And that's a biblical principle. Paul is dealing with this directly. And then this other, this last point about confront conflict. View the conflict as an opportunity. And I say that because we're going to get into this next, next point. It's the how. View it as an opportunity, not as an obstacle. And, and believe me, I, I feel this all the time in my job. There's always problems. Problems pop up. What's the first time when a, problem, when a problem pops up, what do you feel? I know what I feel. Oh, why can't people just get along? So I'm a manager, and I'd just like to do the job. We got a job to do, but the problem is we got people doing it, and when you get two people together, they're going to have problems. They're going to have conflict. And as a manager, I'm always like, why can't they just get along? And so I, when I approach it with that attitude, I've already blown it. Okay, I've already blown it because I've already come there with this, uh, you too. And they're like, again, I have to view it. This is an opportunity. It's a growing moment for all of us. For me, for you, I know it sounds cornball. It's a win, win, win. Don't you hate that? Have you ever had those trainings, negotiation? Win, win, win. Ah, shut up. <laughs> but you really can from a biblical perspective. So this is the... Uh, uh, a verse that I, I um, have in uh, Philippians chapter one. And, and, and again, Paul is, it's another, what? Prison epistle. And he's writing in prison. And he says, but I would, you should understand, brethren, that the things that have happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and all places. You know what Paul saw? He could have easily said, I got a conflict. People trying to kill me, people trying to imprison me, hinder me from doing my job, but he says, God's put me here. 
in this moment, at this time, I'm going to use it. For what? For the ministry of reconciliation. I'm, gonna, I'm here. I don't know why I'm here, but I guess I do know why I'm here. God's got me here. So I'm going to use it. I'm not going to have a pity party. I'm not going to have a bad attitude going into it. I'm going to embrace the problem, the conflict, as an opportunity. And man, that's an attitude approach that will help your conflict, which gets to our next point, the second principle. Use your arsenal. Now, if we go back to Philemon, you'll notice something very interesting. And again, I know if you read the Bible a lot, you probably like read through this. And what I mean by that, you kind of read it, but you don't read it. Because it's like the same stuff Paul says, the beginning of grace and peace and grace and faith and love. And you kind of move on. Let's get to the meat of the stuff. But I, I, I want you to think about what he, every, if, okay, if every word of God has been inspired and then has been what? Preserved. Then these words are important. They're not just throwaway words. So why is this important? Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith which thou hast towards the Lord Jesus and towards the saints, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you, in Christ Jesus. Do you know what he's doing here, what Paul is doing? I mean, he is, this is his arsenal. He realizes before I approach this, I'm going to need grace. I'm going to need grace. You're going to need grace. We need God's intercession in this because, you know what, if, we, if it's just left to us, we're just going to make it worse. So the very first thing he does is talk about God's grace and then the fact that he wants peace. We all want peace, isn't it? Why do we always have conflict when we really want peace? Doesn't that seem weird? But we do. But he's praying for this because, you know what, it can only come from God. And he's praying and he's prayed up, man. He's, I thank my God. I mentioned you. God, all the time, you. I thank God for your ministry. I thank God for your faithfulness in this. Because you know what? When we're going to get to the meat of this, and he doesn't get to it till verse 10, he's going to need it. He's going to need this basis by which Paul is driving, which is grace and peace from God. And guess what? That, that love you have towards the saints and that faith that you have in the scriptures, you're going to need it more than ever in this situation. And I know you're thinking, of course he would. No, keep in mind, he's been offended, he's been taken from, it's been, who knows how long it's happened, he's probably a little bitter over it. He has every right. What he could do, and this is where we talk about forbearing, he will need to forbear what he could do. Out of what? Grace from God and peace in the matter. And then what does the scripture say? What does the word of God say? And man, he's going to have to do what? Understand that love and make it real, okay? Um, man, the, the worst approach you could have in this, and Paul doesn't do it, is like, you know I'm right, I'm the apostle. You need to do this. Do this. Now, he could do that, couldn't he? Right? It's, it's very likely that um, Philemon may have been led to the Lord or was influenced by his ministry in such a way where he looked up to Paul, and he would have done it. But would it have been in faith? Paul is trusting in God's intervention in this. And man, he's prayed up, and he wants to honor God in his approach. That's the only way it's going to be resolved. 
If you go to uh, Colossians chapter 4, actually, I'm sorry, before that, let's talk about some of these things. Um, the arsenal, as we mentioned it, um, grace, love, faith, and prayer. I know it sounds like a litany of things. Yeah, 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 we got this. Do not neglect those things in conflict. You need to do that, have that ingrained in you before you engage in this. And then remember the true battle in enemy. It's not Philemon, it's not Onesimus. The real battle is our flesh, the world, and the devil. Right? And so that's the real enemy. My enemy is not this other person who's offended me, who I'm upset with. For some reason, I don't know, I just don't like them. The enemy is our flesh. And then rely utterly on God's supernatural intervention. Man, we have to have that. And in conflict, I'm telling you from a personal testimony, it could be 10 years. 10 years. To God, that's nothing, though, as he works on our hearts. His grace, his, that's why we got to get with God, man. He's going to allow that. If you go to Colossians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, Paul says, um, continue in prayer. And again, think about it. It's written to Colossians as well. The same church. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance. So Paul is asking prayer for them, for his ministry of reconciliation, to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. How, not, again, what I say, but how I say it, I, as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom to them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. Man, I've learned that lesson the hard way. But I thank God for that hard lesson because I'm, I'm not going to forget it now. I won't. And I praise the Lord for the grace because it allows me to have a tongue of grace. Uh, last point tonight before we stop and, and we have some prayer points is build bridges, not barriers, okay? And verses 6 through 10, um, he basically is just, he's, and a lot of people say Paul's buttering him up, he's flattering him. No, he's not. Paul is building a biblical foundation of what Philemon has already been doing. And he's, it's simply kind of one of those reflective things. And when Philemon reads this, he's going to go, yeah, I do do that to the saints, but can I do it to this saint? Right? Now think about that for you and I. The faith you have to the body of Christ, do you have it to every member of the body of Christ? That's where it gets tough, doesn't it? Like, oh, this, this, this one, no. I mean, Lord, really? Maybe that's someone else's business. Because uh, uh, I, every time I'm in the side, they just grate on me. And he's, what Paul is going to ask here, he's, he's not buttering him up. He's simply saying, man, you have shown that, right? He says, the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee. Um, I know that your faith is effectual. Now I want to see it in this situation. This is what he's getting to. This is where it's, it's a powerful thing. Is your faith real? Is it consistent in good times and trying times? And with this particular individual, will you display it? Some points for this. Many times conflict is, is the result of a lack of communication or in how we communicate. It really is. And I would say that definitely is a personal testimony. It, it, was there talking? Sure. But the talking was kind of like, I'm right, you're wrong. Right? And then when you get, don't get the answer you like, what do you do? You shut down and you move back. 
and you build walls and you trench in and there we go. But I, I think the great majority thing when we actually, I started re-engaging back with the body of Christ, I started to talk with people. And it wasn't me talking, it was me listening. I stopped listening. I just stopped engaging in the ministry of reconciliation. You know what that's like in negotiations? When one party doesn't want to talk, are you gonna get anywhere? Beware of entrenching and fortressing. And this last point, outreach is godliness, okay? Outreach is godliness. And I say that because in the next couple verses, Romans 5, 8, 1 John 4, 19, God did outreach when we didn't deserve it, okay? Now, we are Christians. We follow Christ. But, man, do I do this? Do I take the first step? Isn't that the hardest part? Speaking of, like, marriages, there's a problem in the marriage, Who's going to take the first? You, you, uh, it was her, your fault. You, you do it. No, not. Again, to be godly would be, I'm going to do it. Because that's what God did. He made the step. I didn't go, oh God, come and find me. No, I wasn't even looking. He came and found me. I want to end with some prayer points. And we'll, uh, Sam, I'll hand it back over to you. But just some prayer points as we finish this. Is there any unresolved conflict in your life? And I guarantee you, that I'm sure there is with everyone. If there's something unresolved, maybe you're all cleaned up and you got everything, or you're in pursuit of that, praise God. But I guarantee you, I know there's always somewhere. And you know it, because in the back of your mind, it just eats at you. Because in you, the Holy Spirit wants to reconcile. If that's unresolved, have I laid that conflict before God Almighty? Allow Him to intercede. And, and man, can we patiently and fervently and effectually pray for that? As long as it takes till the Lord comes back? Could we do that? And then the third thing, am I actively seeking reconciliation in those matters? Now, again, I know not everything can be reconciled. Some parties don't want anything. I don't want, I don't want to hear from you. I don't want to talk for you. But it's not on my part. Am I the one that's extending, actively open to get this resolved? Let's... Uh, Sam, I'm going to turn over you. We're going to pray, right?